Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. You sinners. The seven deadly sins were a set of behaviors that were considered to not only be bad, but to cause other immoral behavior to occur. This episode is not a religious episode, but the concept serves well as a metaphor for developer behaviors and tendencies that cause problems, especially in excess. We believe this to be a decent taxonomy of bad developer behavior. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I got a new freezer. I have my workroom or workout room just about uh, completed. Probably another five or six hours of work will get that done. And I'll be able to lift in there. I won't be like looking at piles of junk, mm-hmm. uh, which will be a first since I guess since we moved into this house. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Work from home today. That was also quite nice. I want to do that more and more often. Um, I think I've pretty much sold management on doing that. I just wanted to wait until my daughter was back in school before I started doing that on the regular. Um, so I'm hoping to push that through. So how about you? Uh, well, we've been going through the growing pains of setting up a build server at work. And of course, whose project gets to be the guinea pig on it? Mine. Of course. So we get to find all the little config issues and other things. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome once it gets finished and set up, but it's, it's painful now. Uh, we were supposed to have a code freeze on Thursday for a few hours while we got everything set up, and that went into Friday. Uh, and then even though we kept developing in dev, we just got code pushed to test today, and it wasn't through the build server. Like ops had to go in there and manually move it over because they're still setting that stuff up. So it's it's painful. It's caused some delays and stuff, but that was expected. They knew that was going to happen when they picked our team to do this. We kind of have the most flexible schedule, I guess. In happier news, I got accepted into a master's of data science program at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Nice. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, some of our good friends live down in Chattanooga. I'll get to go visit them when I'm down on campus and stuff and i'll be starting this fall taking one class a semester so um they wanted me to take two but well work only pays for one and i really need to ease myself back into the student life yeah it's a whole nother thing isn't it oh yeah especially with all the other stuff we have going on with the podcast and the meetup group i I don't want to overwhelm myself right off the bat so just one class at a time just get there slowly yeah well one class at a time for for the first year or two after that we hopefully we'll be uh we'll be able to to handle more now speaking of back to school last weekend was tax-free weekend so i took my mother out laptop shopping I've talked about her laptop. She's running Ubuntu on it right now well, on her old one. Um, she's had that thing for over 10 years, and it was refurbished when we got it for her. It was running Windows XP with 512 megabytes of RAM. I mean, she couldn't even run a newer version of Windows on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she asked me to help her go shopping for one, and uh, since she just uses it for checking her email, looking at pictures on Facebook, and paying the bills... 
we decided to go simple and get her a Google Chromebook. She was really excited. We got the Asus that flips so that she can use it as a tablet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Where'd you get that? Uh, we got that at Best Buy. Okay. Because my mom has got a Chromebook, I think. I know my sister does. Mm-hmm. And they both really, really like them. You know, because you think about it, you know, like I've got a development laptop. Yeah. I will not be replacing that with another development laptop because I don't write code when I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. I I carry my laptop around with me a lot, so and I I edit and things like that. Yeah, when I travel. But I mean, I'm looking at a at a Chromebook, just going, yeah, I could probably wing that, and if it had the tablet capability too. Oh yeah, it's I, mean, I think it was it was around five hundred dollars. Yeah, I think, and then she got the extra um, the extra protection, and I was gonna talk her out of it until they said they would replace the battery. Yeah, and I was like, okay, get it. It's worth that. Yeah. Because otherwise, you get to replace it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, speaking of Google, I've got something for their cloud for IOTs. This is sort of a product, sort of a kit. It's called the ARM-based IOT kit for cloud IOT core. It's basically a starter kit for building devices to use Google's Cloud IoT Core with a Raspberry Pi 3. It includes a two-axis joystick, microserver, full-size breadboard, and several pre-assembled components from Adafruit. And also an assortment of sensors and wires and things like that. You can purchase the kit with or without a Raspberry Pi. So if you've already got a Raspberry Pi, you can just get the kit. Or if you want to whole bundle, you can get that. It's really cool. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? We got a tweet from Brandon. It says, at Complete Dev Pod, I'm new to the field. Listening to Seven Myths About Agile, I tried to rewind to hear the documentation tool. I think it was a lifting tool. If so, could you give me an example? If not, what was the word? I think it'd be useful for what I'm doing. Thanks. Thanks, Brandon. I actually went back and listened to that episode. Okay. Because I was like, I'm not sure because it wasn't in the show notes. Um, we were talking about XML comments in .NET and creating documentation from those. And you, you were talking how you didn't like those. Yeah. You mentioned the only way that it works is if you have a linting. Yes, a linting tool that goes and finds yeah. where you haven't done it or right. where things don't match. And that's yeah. L-I-N-T-I-N-G. Yeah, and um, ReSharper will do that for you. Yeah. Um, and it's basically a tool that a linting tool is something that analyzes what's written and highlights things like errors. The way I think about it is your spell checker. Yeah. Is sort of a, a English linter. Yeah. I would agree with that. But thanks a lot, Brandon. Send us a DM with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. We're also on Path, Instagram, and Tumblr. Check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live when we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. You can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. The seven deadly sins were a grouping and classification of vices within Christian teachings. Behaviors and habits were classified in here if they directly gave birth to other immoralities. 
The seven deadly sins were considered to be the polar opposites of the seven virtues and were thought to be abuses or excessive versions of one's natural tendencies. For instance, gluttony is an excess of the desire to eat. You do have to eat to be able to live. In addition to the seven deadly sins of modern times, there are two other historical deadly sins, Acedia and Vainglory, that have analogs in software development that are interesting enough that we decided to cover them. The above is defined in Wikipedia, and we think it is a useful mnemonic for discussing patterns of developer dysfunction, their opposites, and how they originate from normal and even necessary behavior. Uh, This episode isn't about putting religion on you, but rather about establishing a common vocabulary for developer dysfunction for the purposes of understanding how not to be dysfunctional. But before we get into these, it's important to point out that these are things we all suffer from to varying degrees. It's also important to further point out that many of these have biological, psychological, and physiological causes that are hard to control. So, we're not beating you up here, we're only telling you to control to the degree that you can. And it's interesting, the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues aren't actually in the Bible. Right. These came about in a time where your average person couldn't read, and the only time they would have anything read to them was when they went to church. And so, the the church at the time decided to let's make it easy for people to remember what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Yeah, and how you got there. Right. For both of those. And so, that's that's where these came from and came about, is sort of distilling down the teachings there into, all right, here's the hard lesson you we want you to learn. So, you mentioned the history of it. Um, let's talk about that first. This classification system originated with the Desert Fathers, uh, specifically uh, Evagrius Ponticus, and they were brought to Europe by John Cashin, and that's the guy that wrote the Institutes, if you're familiar with that. Then it became fundamental to Catholic confession practices. The same ideas were later featured in literature like The Parson's Tale from Chaucer's Canterbury Tales and artworks like uh, Dante's Purgatory. There's a lot of Interesting historical stuff. If you really want to get into it, we're not going to go very far into that because that's not what this podcast is about. The Wikipedia article on this is you know, kind of where we drew our initial source material. That's a good place to get going if you want to dig into it. The real point of this is that the classification system has been well known in Western civilization for quite some time and thus is useful for the purposes of analogy, whether you like the religious bits or not. It's part of our culture. In addition to the deadly sins, a virtue is defined as something that is the opposite of the problem behavior. These are things to strive for instead of the deadly sins. The same is true of the programming deadly sins that we'll be discussing. Just don't get hung up on the modern meaning of the words. It's instructive at times, but modern culture has bent some of them or they've changed over time. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is when you put a single word on it, that's not really what they were going for when they were explaining it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll hear the the seven deadly sins and their single word answers, and that's not quite complex enough for what's actually being expressed. So, the first one we're going to get into is lust. Yes. And this is defined as an intense longing, usually thought of as an unbridled desire. It doesn't have to be physical, but it can also be a lust for power, money, or even attention. Now, this is more than just intense longing. It's an intense longing done in a way that damages other things. 
Like the others that we're going to discuss, it's easy to get hung up on what the words mean rather than the behavior that they point to. Now, the opposite of this in the you know seven virtues is chastity. While this has a modern definition, what we're really going for here is the lack of intense destructive longing. The word does not mean apathy. Rather, it means keeping things in their appropriate context. That's what that actually means, not the modern word, which is kind of shrunken from that. Manifestations of this in the developer community include having an intense desire to do things in a certain way, even when it's damaging. This can be anything from resume-driven development to making a design pattern soup just because you want to do things in a certain way. This can also mean chasing the new technology even before it's stable because it is, quote, cool. Yeah, especially doing it on somebody else's production system. Right. And I've I've seen this with with people trying to do the resume driven development and getting into stuff and we it was a, a developer that was wanting to she was wanting to learn the the newer stuff, but wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. And it was all I'm doing this to boost my resume because I'm going to be leaving soon. Right. Notice that the problem isn't the desire to do things a certain way, but rather that one allows the desire to become so overbearing that you cause damage with the inappropriate end result of that desire. So if you're supposed to build something that's design pattern soup, or that's the best way to do it, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It goes back to some of the code smells that we talked about where we said, you know, just because it smells doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. Just because it is a certain way, that may be the best way to do it. Also note that in its proper context, as in this project is a good one for whatever practices you are pushing, uh, that it is not damaging. You know, you you want to be able to do some resume-driven development because if you don't, you're not ever going to move forward. Right. But doing resume-driven development on your company's main product. Yeah, and doing it in a way that damages that yeah. company. Right. Um, is the big thing. It's it's more about uh, intense longing with a complete disregard of consequence. It's it's a matter of well, it's a matter of something a friend of mine told me and I just shook my head cuz I was uh helping him move some furniture and in his brand new truck. And we're we're riding along and uh, I was tell this really nice truck. I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm saving up to get another truck myself." And he's like, "Oh yeah, man." He's like, "I don't think I could do that." It's like, I, I I bought a truck, and it wasn't top of the line, and this one came out, and I just had to go get it. Like, that's that kind of longing. Yeah. It's just a, it's a really destructive thing. It's a lack of self-control. Yeah. And the lesson here is that you shouldn't try to make things the way they aren't simply because of how you feel about them. The context has to be right. You can change things. You can fix things. However, you don't do it in a destructive manner. So the next one is gluttony. Now, this seems like something that would be very, very easy to poke fun at in the developer community, but we're actually going a different way with this. <laughs> we're gluttony, taking the high road. Yeah. Gluttony is defined as overindulgence and overconsumption to the point of waste. It's greed with a beer gut, essentially. Yeah. Again, this is more than just overconsuming. It's overconsuming to the point where you create problems. It, it, that's a big thing in all of these is it is going so far that it creates a problem. Yeah. And it would be really easy to make this point um, directly at, you know, the average developer body composition, right? Like there's a graph somewhere that I saw that showed like Linux 
uh, t-shirt sizes at conventions and like how many of each size was ordered. And like it was late, late nineties, early two thousands. And you know, the extra large two XL, three XL, et cetera, was like that number was going up. And you know, that's a thing, but that's not the only thing. And that's not really the, the relevant deal. Like you can damage yourself with gluttony. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all know that. So um, the opposite of this is temperance. And temperance is voluntary self-restraint. Yeah, and this doesn't mean starvation and austerity. Rather, it means not necessarily having to have peak experiences all the time. Sometimes things need to be mundane, um, even in the world of Instagram. This also means not being flashy with what you do have. You're not trying to show off. You just go do your thing. And there's a lot of manifestations of this in the developer community that aren't related to the obesity epidemic. Uh, The first one is developers having to hog all the credit of a successful project or having to hog the best or most interesting work out of a task list. Uh, That's uh, one of the interesting things where I work is don't have that problem as much because there's literally only two developers on the project, a front-end developer and a back-end developer. So I get all the really cool, awesome back-end development things. I also get all the really boring, mundane back-end development things. But this is something that's really dangerous if, especially if you're in a senior position or your management and you're still coding, is I've seen senior managers that'll take the most interesting work and leave their people with the the slow stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to grow your team. So you want to be careful not to overdo that. You know, when uh, when I first started the project I was on, we had three developers and the, the backend developer had experience with MVC and web forms and was really good at that, but had not done much web API and sort of the, the newer way of building things in .NET. And so when I got up to speed with the team, we had some challenging stuff come through and I was guilty of doing this because I kept taking the really cool, interesting stuff for myself because it would take her longer because she was still learning. Yeah. The stuff that I had learned working with you. Yeah, and that's a tricky line to walk because you still have to get stuff done. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that this is a real real big example of it. Now, you should still go for some of the interesting and challenging tasks, right? You don't yeah. want everything to be boring for you either. Yeah, you, you want a balance there. Yeah, but, you know, you don't always get the bucket of fried chicken. Sometimes you get the salad as far as tests, you know, tasks and stuff yeah. go. Put the fried chicken on the salad, right? Exactly. <laughs> totally Southern. This sort of behavior can be really damaging in a team, especially when being done by management, as Will has mentioned. So the big lesson here is don't try to take more than you're owed, even if you think you can get away with it. And that includes your portion of the items to do. So the next deadly sin that we're going to talk about is greed. This is also known as avarice, cupidity, or covetousness. That's a fun word to say. Covetousness. I covet saying covetousness. It's defined as... Makes you feel like a snake, doesn't it? It kind of does. It's defined as artificial, rapacious desire and pursuit of material possessions. Yeah, and this is defined as being beyond just desire for possessions. It expresses a willingness to do anything to get those possessions. This can ultimately result in ethical violations in order to reach a desired end goal. Now, the opposite of this is charity. Other words that are used for this are will, benevolence, generosity, and sacrifice. I noticed you said will first. No, that is what Wikipedia put in there. That was (laughs) not me. 
that's that is not my vainglory uh coming out right there that's wikipedia it's someone else's fault um that's actually sloth on my part um <laughs> so you know this does not mean charity with other people's resources or money you have to have skin in the game and be willing to use it to help another yeah honestly charity with other people's resources it's kind of a weird sort of third-party gluttony thing because it's like i'm going to take all this stuff and feed you um that's not a really good dynamic i'll tell you though it is a lot of fun going out and spending other people's money oh yeah because when i was out helping my mom shop for a laptop that was great because i i got to help her find exactly what she wanted we you got to like look at all the features and and think about that and then i got to go back to her place and help set it up and play with it yeah and i didn't have to pay for it it was great yeah (laughs) so let's talk about manifestations of greed in the developer community and we're not going to hit the obvious ones Mm -hmm. now here's the first one and this is one that really really rankles me and this i think i've heard you get pretty cranked up over this a few times as well people deciding that they're senior developers and deserving of a six-figure salary after three years in the business. That's a real good example of that. They're willing to do whatever to pull in that revenue. Uh, People playing political games to knock their rivals out of the way, even being willing to destroy other people to get what they want. What really irks me, and I haven't seen it where where I'm working, but I have seen it in um, some freelance work I've done, are people who sabotage the project to get at other people or to get ahead of other people. Yeah. And I mean, they're willing to burn the building down with themselves in it, just as long as the other guy is ashes when it's over with. Right. And, you know, to get just a little bit ahead or to get that recognition of, I came in and saved the day. Yeah. It's like, well, you, you know, you started the day going bad. Yeah. That's what your job was. Another one that will come up is, You'll see uh, high-dollar developers that go in and go, I want to disrupt this industry. That's a big Silicon Valley phrase right now. And they don't seem to care what that actually does. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, again, like, I I hate to bash on Uber and Lyft. You know, that's that's helped transportation. It's made it cheaper for people. But if you actually look at what's going on, it may not be a societal benefit the way that those things are being conducted. But it disrupted that industry. You know, that's not a good thing. This sort of behavior can cause companies to go under and can absolutely destroy people. It reminds me of graduate school when I was getting my master's in uh, psychology. And our group that came through, we, we met, we were just, we got along, we studied together, we helped each other out. And apparently we were rare because most of the other graduate cohorts we're very competitive, very, you know, fighting each other, vying for position when it's, we're not being graded. And I've had classes and this was one of the most annoying things ever was I had a, I don't remember if it was high school or college. It was a, a professor teacher that's literally graded on a curve where there were only two A's, five B's. Oh yeah. You know, and it's like, it didn't matter. You, you know, you were somewhere in the, in the hierarchy. You didn't, it wasn't, oh, I answered all the questions right. And so I got an, I got an A. It was, you fell in line somewhere. Yeah. And that's a pretty awful setup. Most of the world is not like that. 
No, it's it's not. But but greed will make you see it that way. Right. And that's what I was getting at. The lesson here is you don't seek or take gains that you don't deserve and that you haven't earned, um, especially at the expense of others. I would also add that don't seek gains, even ones that you are working towards, that require you to pull other people down. Yeah, the gain that you're trying to get is not the big thing, right? Like you're you're trying to get a raise, you're trying to do whatever. But if you mm-hmm. try to do more that, you know, in a way that it drives you towards that and that's not the target, you'll still hit it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like if you're not like uh lusting for results there. Yeah. Life gets a lot easier. So, speaking of the opposite of lusting for results, the next one is sloth. And this is more than laziness. It's more like a habitual disinclination to exertion. Another way you might put it is that this isn't just laziness, but it's laziness while entropy runs its course. This is couch potato. Yeah. And, and with this, things like excuses are enablers here. Yeah. I actually knew a guy that got out of the army and he had the, um, it wasn't the Marshall Plan. What do they call that deal where they can get their college paid for? Uh, the GI Bill? The GI Bill, yeah. And the Marshall Plan was something totally different. Although <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just as useful to him. And he sat there, I think, he, you know, like there's a timeout on it. Like you guys, yeah. like eight or ten years after you get out of the Army, and you got to do something with it. He sat on his butt and made excuses that whole time. He had a good paying job that, you know, he had enough time to do classes. No wife, no kid, you know, no medical stuff going on. You know, he lived like... Two miles from where he worked. Yeah. I mean, none of that stuff. And just sat there. You know, it's funny. Other than when it comes to doing chores and mowing the lawn as a kid, nobody really has ever accused me of sloth. Yeah. I'm I'm more the type that will take on more than I can handle. Yeah. You're more like, you are too. You're more, yeah, we're more like work gluttons. But yeah. the opposite of sloth is diligence. And that's essentially making sure to give proper attention to things. This doesn't mean being neurotic, right? Like, it's not like freaking out and going, oh, I've got to have everything perfectly clean. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's not it. It's more like have your ducks in a row. Yeah, it means handling things before they become problems. Deal with the situations and have a plan and go after it. Whereas with, with sloth, it's just just lay there, just avoid, procrastinate. Yeah, well, it's diligence is a squid, sloth is a jellyfish. You know, you're going to get eaten by a turtle. How slow do you have to be? (laughs) Now, there's a lot of manifestations of this in the developer community. And again, we're not going to hit the obvious ones. The first one is unwillingness to avoid technical debt. Taking the easy road to fix stuff over and over again. Taking shortcuts where there's known security issues. Another example might be a developer who refuses to learn the business that actually pays their bills. Oh, yeah. Not not learning the business side of things can be very detrimental. And I, I'll i be honest, I don't understand how things were done. And maybe just because my mindset and, you know, I've come into the development world in this mostly agile world where you're interacting, developers are interacting with the business people. But I just, I don't understand that old mentality of, the business people and the developers never talk and they just hand down specs. Yeah. It was, it tended towards uh, heavy project management mm-hmm. and going, here's, here's what you've got to build. Here's the interfaces. And so you got to do everything between those, but you didn't, you, know, you had some architect 
laying that stuff out. And the thing that that still happens, by the way, is people go, okay, I have somebody laying this stuff out. I'm not going to learn the constraints that that person used yeah. to, to figure out how, these, how, the, how this stuff works. I'm just going to collect the check. I'm going to be a senior C-sharp developer, and that's it. Like that That's not differentiation that actually makes you money. That's how outsourced labor undercuts you. It's a very <laughs> bad place to put yourself. Yeah. We we have one senior developer that he uh, he and I talked because when we had the opening for the lead developer, I asked him if he was going to go for it. He's like, I've done that. It's like too much management involved. He's like, I just want to develop. Yeah. And that's. And he's he's older than us. Um, I'm not close to retirement, but, you know. Yeah. Between here and retirement. Between here and retirement, he's got a, a good life set. He's got he's great. And it's just, hey, what do I want to do? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to move up into management. I want to develop. And he's he's hungry for it. It is like I, I talk to the other junior developers at work. And I'm like, when I've been doing this as long as him, I hope I'm just as hungry as he is. Yeah. Well, that's one thing when you make the decision. Right. It's another thing when you don't make a decision and you sit there. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at is yeah. the, the, the contrast there. Um, what I think of with this are your dark matter developers, the yeah. nine to fivers. Yeah, although I'm a little... I'm a little mixed on that because a lot of those people, they just like they do their job and they go home and that's what they wanted to do. I would say you're expert beginners. That's a real sloth related issue. It's like, you know, you've got the same experience, you know, you got 12, 12 years of the same experience over and over yeah. again. It's just the same year repeating. You're still doing stuff from 2006. Yeah. Or you're hello world experts. Yeah. Cause it's, I, I would say this is sloth where, other people might not because, oh, you're going out and you're learning something new. You're excited by the new thing. But it's, no, you're learning to do the exact same thing with different syntax. Once you get to the harder, more difficult things in the language, you move on to the next one. Yeah, because so you get you, stopped. Yeah, because it's it's not easy. And so when you hit that difficulty, um, I don't know, like like I said, I, I, I think, and it may just depend on the developer, but there are some nine to fivers who either have the same year. 12 times or you know they just they don't move forward and i've i have met some who got 20 years into their career and realized that where they were educationally in the development you know the changes in development was only about five years yeah not 20 and we're trying to catch up and yeah, I've watched yeah that, that was that hard, hard i've also seen them. some get cut loose and, you know, they go on the market and they're like, oh, I can't do, you know, VB5. You know, I can't make a living doing that. You know, there's no jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a bad place to be. But the unwillingness to confront discomfort and pain and try to work through stuff creates a mindset. And that mindset will produce sloppy code that's yeah. going to cost a lot to fix. And it's going to actively repel the kind of people that can fix it. Exactly. The lesson here is that you want to fix problems before they become problems. Catch them early, be diligent, and be on your toes about it. Like, you know, maybe not be on the bleeding edge of the technologies coming out, but, you know, keep an eye on what's popular. Especially if, for example, when I started, I wanted to stay in the Nashville area. So, I kept an eye on what was popular in Nashville. Yeah. So if you have an area that you want to stay in or want to want to work in, keep up with that. So the next one is wrath. 
And that is uncontrolled feelings of anger, rage, and even hate. Now, this is more than justified anger. It's anger past the point of reason or stopping. In other words, it's like getting angry at somebody, and even after they apologize and everything's fixed, you're still enraged and you're still going. Mm -hmm. That's wrath. Uh, Have you ever had an anger blackout? Yeah. I know what you're talking about, where you just... You get so angry that you don't remember what you did or said. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, Now, this can also manifest as misanthropy and self-destructive behavior. A lot of people turn that anger inward, Mm -hmm. and it still works out the same. It just doesn't go at other people so much. It can also manifest as jumping to the worst conclusion as a response to anything. Yeah. Like, there's, there's something to be said about being prepared for the bad things to happen and expecting. Yeah, but there's there's also something to be said for a situation where you expect the worst and then you're disappointed when it's mm-hmm. not the worst. Like that's a tell. Where where you want to be you want to be able to say I told you so. Yeah. Now, the opposite of wrath is patience, forgiveness, mercy. And these things don't mean being a doormat or let, letting other people push you around and abuse you. That's not what they're talking about here. Rather means that you don't try to make other people into your doormat, make other people walk on eggshells, that kind of stuff. It means that you stop nastiness from propagating through you. Manifestations of this in the development community include things like some of the darker aspects of fanboyism. Think of the slash dot reaction to anything Microsoft or the frequent reaction of Windows developers to Linux or Mac. This attitude, and Scott Hanselman, uh, I think he he was the one that said this, you know, Windows killed my pappy. Um, You know, it results in stuff like sneering at other developers for their platform choice because that platform once caused you a problem. You know, I had had to do Java in college, and I hated it. Now, again, you know, bear in mind, I was writing code on the console in Windows trying to do Java stuff with no reference material. You're, it's it's going to stink, right? But if 20 years on, I look at that and go, oh, Java sucks. And, you, you know, and you're less of a developer than me because you're doing Java. Like, that's not a real smart position in the first place. But it's also just, it shows an underlying mentality mm-hmm. that's very, very bad. Yeah, it's, it's like this deep-seated grudge yeah. against it. Well, it's grudge is identity. Yeah. Um, and you can see this if you look at political discourse in the development community, which that's why we stay away from it. Mm-hmm. There's no upside to it. Um, but if you look at political discourse, like, I don't know, let's say Hacker News, like watch some of the political discourse. And that's a fairly tame environment. But you can see just seething attitude under some of those posts. It's like, yeah. man, you know, you guys got to you guys got to calm down. So the lesson here is that anger only enough to make the damage stop. So the lesson here is to only have enough anger to make the damage stop. Don't wallow in negativity. Get it out appropriately and move on. And you know what? I I think of my youngest sister here because she is the type that she will get angry at you and she'll snap and, you know, she'll storm out or she'll yell or something like that. And then 30 minutes later, it's over. Yeah. She got that out and she's fine. That's the way I am and the way my mother is mm-hmm. um, for the most part. 
Right. There's like I can get to the point where I'll brood, but you'll you'll brood and hold a grudge sometimes. Sometimes it you takes held a, one on me before. <laughs> it, it takes a while to get there. Yeah, you're you're slow to get there, but yeah. Um, but then like my dad, and my sister, it's just it's just a storm sitting there. Yeah, you know, for a very long time, like they don't ever explode. Mm-hmm. That's like my mom and my other sister. They'll they'll hold a grudge. Yeah, and it may be three or four years later. You 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 would have forgotten what happened, and they'll bring it up and like, really? I thought I apologized for that already. Yeah, <laughs> and, and both of these are really bad manifestations, right? Yeah. If you blow up or if you hold the grudge, right? Like right. you you need to have a reasoned response, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something I went at all the time. No. So the next deadly sin is envy, and this is more than just jealousy. It's a desire to deprive others of what they've earned. Yeah, and this can often manifest as a sad or resentful covetousness towards the traits or possessions of someone else. And this is from Wikipedia. And it can also show up as a desire to see other people brought low. So you'll see this a lot of times um, when you see somebody that's happy. If you've noticed somebody that's really happy, you know, they've got good news. Other people sometimes will react to that person by trying to tear them down mm-hmm. just as a default. Like that's an envy type behavior. I tend to not hang around those types of people. Yeah. But I mean, you'll see it. You can, you, like, yeah, you, you can, you can people it. watch in the mall and see it. Oh yeah. You'll, you'll see it. And when I start recognizing that, when I start recognizing that in someone, I tend to stop hanging out with them. Yeah. Because I, I know what else is coming with that. Yeah. And then I'm going to be wrathful. <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. Yep. So the opposite of this is kindness. Now, this doesn't mean unjust kindness. This kindness to those who are actively trying to harm you is weakness, but rather wanting the other party to get their just earnings. Yeah. And so the, you know, the thing here is like, don't try to cheat people out of stuff. You know, whether it's money, recognition, you know, you name it, like sit there and go, okay, this person earned this. I should be happy that they got it and happy that they earned it. Full stop. Not, oh, well, you know, they just got it because they, you know, they had it easy in this other way. And let me, let me make up some justification note. Like, did they do the work or not? Mm hmm. Now, it manifests in the developer community a fair bit. This sort of thing is at the root of Twitter, lynch mobs, and YouTube trolls. That's easy. Look at how developers treat sales folks as well. There is a substantial amount of envy, I think, particularly from some ends of the development personality curve, where people are like really, really shy or they're, they're socially awkward, and they hate salespeople because salespeople are doing all the things that they can't do or they think they can't do. Yeah. The the salespeople are the bold, the outgoing, the right. flirty, the that type. Yeah. They take care of themselves. They're able to, you know, create wealth by not working. At least that's mm-hmm. what the developers think. Even though like if you've ever done, you know, long term sales, I know you have. And and like being in that situation, like that is very tiring. That is totally work. It's not the same type of work. Yeah. But but it is it is work. Um not just salespeople, but other peripheries around development. Like project managers. Yeah. Project managers, business analysts. People in the C suite. Yeah. Yeah. And and this comes out of envy. Like look at the people that you don't like and then try to figure out 
what it is that they have that you wish you had. And then start working on that. If you do start working on that, you'll end up finding out that you stop resenting them. You know, the lesson here is that you should want to earn what you get. You shouldn't accept a free lunch and you should want the same consideration for others. Learn how to make things not a zero-sum game. Then we all win instead of this one wins and I don't. By the way, that's called a negotiation. That's a business thing. (laughs) So finally, under the typical seven deadly sins is pride. Think of pride not as the state of having too much self-respect, but as being more like a dangerously corrupt selfishness or the desire to see oneself as the center of the universe. Yeah, and this can manifest as putting your own whims above everyone else's good. I've seen developers, you know, like they got stuff that's done. It's ready to go. Marketing is already writing copy. They've already taken screenshots or doing all this stuff. It's ready to go out the door. And they come in and they redesigned it. Yep. Because I want to use... I want to use Bootstrap 4. Actually, it was at that point. But, you know, I want to redo this entire thing. I want to do my resume-driven development mm-hmm. right now, and I don't care. It's it, The world just centers around me, like all you people. I don't know what you're here for. Here for. You're one just satellites, the, man. One of the reasons I had to, to push so hard to get access to the development database is because a developer before me had come in one, decided one weekend, hey, I want to completely change the structure yeah of the entire database so he rewrote all of it rewrote the api code and came in monday and told the front-end developer oh you have to change all these because i changed yeah and i've worked with several developers that did that and it is extremely painful especially like if they do it um you know they stay there late at night and they do it and they break everything and they don't i don't know check in things like the entity framework model and so you come in in the morning and you're dead in the water for four hours and now everything you're doing you you look like an idiot yeah. But you didn't break it. Um, it's it's pretty awful. Now, it can also manifest as refusing to recognize one's own mistakes. And this is a big, big thing that you see a lot. It really gets you into trouble. Just say I screwed up and go on. The opposite here is humility uh, or modesty. This doesn't mean self-abnegation, but rather not needing to draw attention to oneself for your accomplishments. Yeah, this doesn't mean that you can't market yourself because you got to eat. Yeah. But rather that you don't market yourself to people who aren't buying. You're, that's not helping you eat, right? That's just helping your ego. Giving credit where credit is due. Yeah. Like I have worked on things and then had a manager say, oh, you know, check this out. PJ made this really awesome thing. And I'm like, well, this other person, she helped too. And this guy over here, he helped. We built it together. Just I happen to be the most outgoing, so I was the one that presented it to management. Right. And so, you know, it's it's giving others credit where it's due. And I don't want to say knowing your place, that sounds bad, but it understanding your role in that process. So this manifests in the development community in several ways. Um, the first, which we already discussed, is thinking that your resume-driven development matters more than the company's need to produce value. You cannot do this. You can't massively change code, go, oh, I'm going to go to a new framework. I'm going to go to a new language. I'm going to do this completely differently mm-hmm. when the team can't support it and the you know the system is going to go sideways. Yeah. And it's really shocking how many developers do that. I, I don't know where this comes from. Also, if you take someone else doing their job, even if it irritates you as a personal attack or personal affront, you're not the star that that planet orbits, nor will you ever be. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I've seen people react to things like security audits. 
Like they're mad at the auditor for finding a cross-site request forgery. So, you know what? One thing that I have to, I struggle with myself is getting frustrated with QA because sometimes they find stuff that you know, it's, it's a matter of opinion or it's like that wasn't in the acceptance criteria. And they're like, well, that's what I, what I thought it meant. I was like, well, it's not what it said. Yeah. Earlier on in my career, I got really upset about this because I took every bug as an affront to my coding abilities. Yeah. And I've learned that, you know. And see, I don't take a, take bugs as an affront to my coding abilities. Rather, I take them to mean that I'm a digital entomologist. <laughs> <laughs> I just collect them. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, no. But, you know, and I think this is something that we all go through early in your careers. It's some like, people go through it more than once. Yeah, I believe that. Some people never get out of it. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's where it becomes a problem. Like, it's okay to be to be proud of what you've done. Well, you to, should be, right? Like, you're not going to do more and better if you don't get the feels. For doing... Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you want that. When it becomes a problem is this, where every little bug is an attack on you personally. And it... It, it took me a little bit of time to figure that out. But I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the lesson here is that accomplishments speak for themselves. If you have to speak for them, it's doubtful they amount to much. Now, we have two more. We're going to tack on to the end here because they were originally on the list. And then Pope Gregory like folded them into the others because he wanted it to have seven items. That's a thing. But we're going to go on with it because I... I thought we had some pretty good insights here. And the first one is Acedia or Acedia. Um, they didn't have the pronunciation guide where I could actually tell for sure on this one. And what this is, is it's essentially a form of laziness. It's a little different than sloth. It's the failure to take care of something that you should be handling. Um, it can also be defined as a lack of joy. Uh, and I think joy is kind of a loaded word here, but this is you know, this stuff came out of Wikipedia. Probably the best manifestation of this is learned helplessness. In other yeah. words, like, like let's say you're t- you got to talk to management about technical debt. Have you ever talked to another developer and gone, okay, well, we got to tell them about this so that we can get this fixed? And they go, oh, well, they're just going to poo-poo it. They're not going to do, you know, they're negative Nancy about that. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Now, this can also manifest as making excuses in a crisis, including blaming other people. That's always the worst. Yeah. Just as a side note, like I'm patient with people yelling at me, cussing at me, you know, to a degree and all kinds of stuff. But when somebody tries to throw me under the bus, I do not have patience for that uh, um, because I know that that's the tip of a whole bunch of other iceberg. Yeah. It's uh, and as developers, you, the buck stops with us. Yeah. And so we, we tend to get that from other people. And, and so when your own team does it, it does not fly. Yeah. And then it makes it makes it easier for you to say, you know, I'm, I'm going back to QA here, but if QA finds a bug or there's a bug that prevents them from going further, they blame development. And then it comes to the developers and like, well, it's working in dev and my local box, so it must, it must be, be ops. operations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad they added that DevOps category because that's a place to pass the buck. Uh, it's really nice of those guys yeah. to, to take that to take buck. 
Um, so, and then, of course, they blame you know they blame the CFO for not allocating enough money for servers. Right there, you go. So yeah, it's, it, it, it like, goes up. Yeah, they they close the loop. Really, they, yeah, they made yeah. that circuit nice. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really good of them. So the opposite of this is organization or just getting your stuff together. Yeah, it's called being a real adult, guys. This doesn't mean that you always have it perfectly together. In fact, it generally means that you don't. Yeah. Right? Will and I definitely don't. Yeah. We've got stuff that we don't have lined up right. Like, no. I mean, we talked at the beginning of this episode. I had boxes in the basement that I've been looking at for three, almost four years now. They were boxes from the old house that I looked at the entire time we were there, too. Yeah. So, we don't have everything together perfectly, but the idea is you try to cover the important points. Mm-hmm. One of your, the hardest lessons of your 20s is learning that this is impossible for you to do. The lessons in your 30s is that no one has it all together. You know, this reminds me of something that um, one of my professors in undergrad said. He was talking about, you know, psychology. He's like, you know, you get your bachelor's in psych, you think you know everything there is to know about psychology. You go on and you get your master's and you realize you don't know anything about psychology. Then you get your PhD and you realize nobody knows anything about psychology. Yeah. <laughs> What it does mean is that you act responsibly towards your own interests and with some sort of idea of where you're headed. Now, let's talk about how this manifests in the development community. Um, Again, the whole thing of deciding that you want to be a senior C-sharp developer. Not that C-sharp's bad. I do it all day, every day. But if that's the only thing you're going for and it's just senior, you're not you know, really going in a direction with it. In other words, I'm obsessed with the tool, not with the result. That's where this is because you're not really taking care of your own stuff. Mm-hmm. But at some point, C Sharp will, you know, not be cool. Probably it's already there anyway. Yeah, we control the tools we use, C Sharp, for example, but not how we use them. Thus, people feel helpless and decide to form a career based on the general use. Yeah. Of that so, tool. so it's like a guy that goes to be a carpenter and he sits there and, you know, he's building outhouses. That's just every job he gets, it seems like he's building outhouses. Well, he could go, well, I'm really good with a saw and hammer and nails. Or he could try to figure out how to build something maybe that's a little better, chicken coop or something. Right? I was going to say a fancy outhouse. A fancy outhouse. (laughs) It's a (laughs) two-seater. Or it's just a half-seater if it's yours. (laughs) uh, (laughs) How's that for a country insult? But, But, yeah, like when you... You're essentially saying, okay, other people control where I'm going. Like, that's not what an adult does. Mm -hmm. That's a very bad thing. So, that's why this is, it's a little different than sloth. You know, you essentially have the power and the human right to pick something that actually matters and then specialize in that. It's learned helplessness when you do otherwise. The lesson here is that the greatest influence over your own quality of life comes from within. It can as easily mean laughing in ashes as it can mean crying in a mansion. Yep. So the last one is vainglory. And this is one that is really tricky for people that get on podcasts and talk to an audience (laughs) to talk about. (laughs) This is a form of pride, but there's more to it than that. It's vain boasting. Yeah. So it's not just, oh, you know, like haughty pride, but it's kind of running your mouth. Which is something you and I are really good at. 
yeah, we're the best, <laughs> actually. This tends to manifest as loudly talking about how awesome you and your accomplishments are while everything falls apart within. Vainglory can result in relentless social climbing without building the personal merit to go with it. Now, the opposite of this is actually self-confidence. It's not just a lack of boasting, but understanding when self-marketing type behavior is appropriate and when you talk yourself up and when you don't. Right. You know, in an interview, that's where you want to do your self-marketing. Right. When you're sitting around the lunch table with your fellow developers, not so much. Right. There's a difference between going, I'm a senior developer and smarter than you, and going, I'm a senior developer, let me show you a trick that will help you. Now, I've got something on this. We have this consultant that's been coming in, and like the moment I met him, I was just like, oh yeah, this this guy, he, he knows his stuff, uh, because he was helping us get on the build server, and he looks at my code, and he's like, okay, I see where you're using this pattern, I see where you're doing this, here, let me show you something that will make it even better. And it wasn't, you're doing this wrong, because that's what I expected. Like I was, I was coming in there ready to to defend my code, right? And he goes, "Oh no, I think you're doing a really great job." He's like, "You've only been at this for a couple of years. This is this is really advanced for that." Let me let me show you a few things with what you're doing that will make it better. And that right there, that just I'm like, "All right, tell me." Well, that's like, what happens to help when ego is removed. Yeah. Like if you go in, I'm going to help somebody, but you've got a big head about it. What are you going to do? Oh, you're doing it wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. You know, like the guy on Saturday Night Live. Move. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas if you go, okay, I'm. this isn't about me. I want to help this other person. You go in there and you help the other person. Like everybody knows you're the senior developer. It's it's kind of dumb to have to go and announce it. Like that shows that it's not confidence. You know, you're not confident. It's, it, it's like a king saying, I'm the king. Well, like if you have to say that, you're probably going to the headsman pretty soon. Like. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a weakness. Both of these things are roughly equivalent, but one of them is more crass. Yeah. This can manifest in the development community as well. We kind of hit on it a little bit, but uh, sighing and feeling the need to educate someone on whatever the topic is. Yeah. And that, that's not if they ask for it. This is the, it's more like talking down to them. Yeah. Jumping in and jumping doing in that. and talking, talking down to, a business analyst or a project manager who doesn't have the technical background about something when they haven't asked for help and probably don't want it. Right. Just to make yourself look better. And that's the thing. It's uh, also using big words and things like that to when you don't have to. Right. Like, you know, if you're smart enough, you should be able to explain things in English. Mm -hmm. Like Einstein could explain general relativity to a child without using the word relativity. That's what a smart person can do. Now, here's another one. Uh, when you hear something that an article on BuzzFeed that you just read disagrees with, and then you start in on someone with, well, actually. Let me tell you something. If you are a pompous, smirking jerk who thinks they're better than everybody, I know where you get your water. A well, actually. <laughs> I, I swear, like, that's a... <laughs> that's a comment like that's 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 like two words that I hear that and I immediately cringe because I just go I only see this in this context. What's what's funny is when you're you take a lighthearted approach to to that kind of thing. So you and I do this sometimes when we're we're talking 
on hangouts during the day. It's just like, I'll throw something at you and you're like, throw something back that like, it's basically a well, actually. Yeah. And whenever like, you've got a lot more experience than me. So you typically win those. But whenever I do, I just, I'm like, I out well actually do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what we're talking about here. Yeah. That is, that is fun banter between friends. Well, we're making fun of the people that do that. This Um, is the, the idea that you want to show your knowledge and show that you're better versed, better read than the other person. More compassionate. Yeah. Whereas with you and I, it's, we're, we're bantering, but it's also, we're helping each other. Yeah. You know, the big deal here is that needing to show off your skills is really a vile thing. Mm-hmm. And it shows how little you think of yourself. And it's something that if you're an outgoing extrovert that likes to talk and likes to tell stories and things, this is something that I, I struggle with myself. Because I have to realize when I'm doing this, yeah. when I'm just when I'm telling a story just to make myself sound better, or am I telling the story to move along the conversation or to add benefit? Right. I have a coworker who has we we were talking about our different pet peeves, and one of hers is when someone tries to one up her after she tells a story. Yeah, I've actually got an estranged aunt that I can tell a story about. I remember this aunt. Um, you know, like everything you had, she had one better. We went scuba diving. You know, she's talking about the expensive snorkels she bought. Like she, it was, it wasn't just like it's one up, but it's, it was just really trying to one up and not yeah. quite getting there. But, uh, I remember, you know, right after my grandfather passed of prostate cancer and my dad, you know, nudging me in the ribs at a, you know, another family outing goes, Hey, I bet if you told her that, you know, he died of prostate cancer. She'll tell you she had it twice. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's it's, it's that is, is vainglory. So yeah, that's a great example of it. So the lesson here is that if you want to be a tiger, let others see that you've earned your stripes. You don't have to point them out. In fact, that's not the point. They're camouflage. So guys, while you may or may not be religious or of a sect that actually gets into this stuff, The seven deadly sins and the extras that we discussed are a useful metaphor for dysfunctional software development behavior patterns that you probably see around you every day. These tendencies are not only instructive in noticing bad behavior from others, but more importantly, in noticing it in yourself. We all have these behavior patterns to one degree or another, and Will and I have discussed the times that the ones we struggle with, and it is important to detect and stop them when they get out of hand. The goal of this discussion is to get you to notice them in yourself. Noticing them in others is not the point of this. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I've got something I blatantly stole from John Sanmez, and I think he lifted it from somewhere else, but it works. So um, I've been kind of playing around with this myself this week. And that is when you get a chunk of bad news or something changes and it's going to be a problem. What Sanmez does, and this is just really slick, is his response. He always starts out with, that's great because, and then he just rolls with it. So he doesn't know what comes after the because, but he starts saying that and then wings it and figures it out. And it's it's really strange how much this actually does for you, but it forces you to switch your headspace such that you turn a pain into a win. 
because now you've already started talking and you're going to try to uh, be congruent with what you've already said. It's just like a brain trick. And I thought this was really interesting and I've been playing around with it a lot this week. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, this is a form of reframing if you're familiar with that kind of stuff. It's a really powerful tactic for fixing psychological roadblocks and it's a really good trick to learn. So I just want to put this out here, let y'all play with it and then Tell me what kind of results you get. Email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com and let us know. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.